0: This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis. Please
1: tell me where you're going, please tell me where you've been. You're walking down a dark street and you appear to be whistling. I want some of what you've got, my life can seem so cold. Tell me what's the secret to that lightness in your soul? So much gold.
2: We've been welcome back to Straight Ahead with me, David Lewis, and, of course, the 606 Club of Chelsea. The track we just listened to featured our guest on the show this week, Polly Gibbons, from an album called What's The Real Reason. It was released a few years ago, produced by and co-written with somebody that you may well be familiar with, Ola Onaboule, And the track that we just heard was Your Faith and more from Polly in a short while's time. Next, though, let's go to Wildcard. We've had both Clement Roger on the show and Sophie Allaway, of course. So let's listen to the title track from their recently released album, Beast from the East. If you were listening to the show last week, you'll know that our featured album was the latest set from Nigel Price, Wes Reimagined. One of the tracks that I didn't get around to playing then was this, it's Layla. And what I like about it most is the way that it starts off lulling you into this false sense of acuity. It's going to be something laid back and cool and the way it just ramps towards the end is great. My kind of jazz all the way through. Features, of course, Nigel on guitar. You've got Ross Stanley on the Hammond B3. Joel Barford is on drums. Basilis Sinopoulos on tenor. Tony Kofi features on the album on Alto. And Snowboy makes an appearance on percussion. With Callum Owl doing the string arrangements and also on trombone. But enough of me, let's listen to Layla. <music> is over and we could not be more happy we finally get to reopen our doors to the public on Thursday the 20th of May. I've got tracks from all of the artists that are with us this coming weekend Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday and on Friday of this week we've got house band Samara. They are on stage. Don't forget you can make bookings at 606club.co.uk and featured vocalist with Samara is Luna Cohen. So let's listen to Luna now with Mina Avo. with Samara on stage at the club on Friday but on Thursday the first live gig back at the club with members of the public back in front of the guys again is going to be Jim Mullen King Jim is with us and uh, don't forget we had Jim on the show last year if you want to listen back to that interview you'll find it available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Mixcloud, on all the platforms Around about June or July last year you'll find it but back to the gig in hand on Thursday of this week Jim is going to be down at the club along with organist Mike Gorman Tristan Maylot is on the drum it's going to be a great gig and it's uh, wonderful to have Jim back in front of a live crowd so let's listen to a track now from an album that uh, Jim released a couple of years ago, a big band album called Volunteers and this is Spare Change A change from Jim Mullen. Time now though that we get to sit down properly with Polly Gibbons and I say properly because of course we opened up the show with a track from Polly this week along with the album that was co-produced and written with Ola Onabule. Well we're going to sit down now and find out what uh, Polly's been up to during the course of the last year, what's kept her creatively active, her love affair with The Six and also get to chat about a couple of gigs she's got coming up with us. One at the end of May and the other is Jazz on the Lawn in August. Let's first though before we sit down with Polly hear another track from her and this is permit me to introduce you to yourself you're listening to me david lewis and this is straight ahead brought to you each and every week along with london's leading music venue the 606 club of chelsea if you want to know what's happening at the six check out the website at 606club.co.uk <laughs>
1: I believe you two have never really met If you take a little time to get acquainted You could settle all your differences, I bet The two of you are related, don't you know Won't you both shake hands and lead on common ground Won't you make a slight attempt at understanding in the suitable arrangement can be found. Now why are you always fighting with yourself? There are ways that you could use to bridge the gap. If you take a little interest in the science, it will lead you down the road just like a man.
2: hello hi how are you hello dave i'm good thank you nice to chat to you and you so we're going to be uh seeing you down at the club in the not too distant future and we'll be talking about that a little bit later on but so have you been keeping well over the past year if you know what i mean i have
0: actually yeah i've dodged the dodged the sea bullet <laughs> and uh, so have all my family which is yeah what you hope for isn't it and um actually yeah there's been some some positives amidst the madness well I think
2: you're one of the first interviews where I can begin to actually have quite a positive vibe and say the end is in sight there is a light towards the end of the rainbow then you know the fact that you're going to be at the club in front of a live audience I mean that kind of says it all
0: yeah indeed it really does it, it, yeah it does feel like things are lifting and yeah it'll be I mean quite surreal but Hooray! You know, Absolutely.
2: Actually, I mean, let, let's just start back to front a little bit. The the lack of performing because it, it's obviously mm-hmm. a vibe. It's something you love doing. It's something you've done since a very young age. Has that been a hard uh, gap to fill over this last year?
0: Well, yeah, it's a it's a funny one performing because it's quite you know on one level it's a human being. It's quite an unnatural thing to do is sort of to stand up in front of rooms of people and se- sort of separate yourself on one level and yet be in the position where you kind of bring people together on another. Um, But yeah, it kind of, you know, the need for sort of, um, I suppose, being seen and and being validated for something you do in your craft and um, for attention, I suppose, which is something we all have on Mm. quite an innate level, the need for sort of attention and connection. And uh, yeah, it has been, it it is a whole, uh, yeah. And I, I think it'll probably be, you know, we're quite good adapt. Well, I mean, I've managed to sort of adapt myself a little bit over the last year and, and found things to do and things. But I, I imagine, actually reconnecting with an audience will will really <laughs> remind me of what I've missed. You know.
2: So again, while we're doing this back to front, you say you found things to fill the time. I've spoken to a number of artists and some have decided to pick up another instrument or pick up another form of art that they might not have had time to practice or work at. What have you been doing through the course of the the last year then? Well,
0: I um yeah, I I had piano lessons when I was a kid, uh, but I can't really read music terribly well. Um but I've always loved it as an instrument. So piano is something that I've been kind of noodling noodling about a bit more with mm-hmm. and working on um songwriting actually, which has been Really challenging because it's something that I've only ever really endeavoured with other people, and I kind of am getting to the stage where I feel like I'd quite like to to record some music that's just me- music and lyrics that I've written,
3: mm-hmm. which
0: is kind of a quite a big, frightening dawning for me. And and it's interesting having quite a you know be, working in jazz and that being quite complex and, and musical genre and. Um, you know, my, what my musical mind is like is quite advanced, but Mm -hmm. my piano playing is really not (laughs) So, (laughs) what I hear in my head and what I'm able to articulate on the piano, um, you know, quite, you know, odds with each other. So I, um, I'm, you know, there's there's the style and the genre that I'm dabbling more in, I guess is sort of much more simple, you know, singer songwritery kind of ideas and, um, it's, which is, absolutely, you know, fine. It's just kind of a new, a new pathway, I think, I'm, I'm forging.
2: Have you found that your enthusiasm too, right, has sort of ebbed and waned through? It's been a long year, let's face it. Have you had many yeah. dips in enthusiasm?
0: Oh, it, 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 relentless dips. Mm. Yeah, main, mainly dips. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of, uh, yeah, I've just been trying to keep myself available to when inspiration strikes, really, by noodling about now and again and, and keeping... Yeah, I guess keeping positive really, because I, I mean, I, I tend to write, um, you know, they're not, they're not the most, it's not the most sort of upbeat, positive music, but I think I've come to realise that I don't, you know, that being, being too, too, too unhappy really, you doesn't, you can't really get any mojo for anything, you know, Mm -hmm. like getting out of bed. So yeah, I've been trying to, yeah, gardening actually, (laughs) turn my hands, another gardener.
2: Yeah, yep. I've seen a few people online doing that. A few singers have decided that growing some vegetables is a good idea.
0: Yeah, well I'm lucky to be on, on the farm back on the family farm, actually. And we've got a lovely patch. So I've been I've been doing that.
2: Oh, you're doing <laughs> my job beautifully for me. What a lovely segue back to your youth. So, the daughter of a farm family. That's right. In Suffolk, my right? My dad.
0: Yes, yeah, Suffolk in East Anglia, and my dad. Uh, Has farmed here since yeah, well, since he was a little boy, really, in the sixties. We, I'm one of six, sort of six, stroke seven children, (laughs) stroke seven, got kind of an adopted sister. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, we, yeah, it's yeah, beautiful upbringing, really. Uh, Fortunate to be in the countryside, I think. Um,
2: So completely away from the smoke of the big cities, kind of thing, out there and farmland. Where were the influences for music then?
0: Um, both my parents are real music lovers. Um, actually my dad, I kind of my early singing memories when I realized I could sing around the age of 14, was singing with his kind of rhythm and blues band called the Fat Band, um, and kind of belting out soul and R&B songs with my uncle and and my kind of similar, another uncle vibe. And, uh, and then my mum, actually she's, yeah, she's a bit of a, Hides her musical light under a bushel a bit, but she can kind of read music and she's got a very tuneful voice and loves classical music and, and blues too. So, and then my sisters were vinyl collectors, so it's kind of it was I had it infused a lot around at me. you. So, yeah. uh, th-
2: because I believe the Blues Brothers was actually quite a defining moment when you found that soundtrack, that was quite the moment, wasn't it? When you think, I can do Aretha.
0: Yeah, well, I remember. I just remember being loving that scene where she just. Well, the whole film actually. I love Ray Charles as well. And I don't think mm. there's anything wrong with the action in this piano, <laughs> and you know these these beautiful clips of these people just, just so raw and just you know th- just amazing, just throwaway in their gene, you know, bones, you know, kind of singing and playing. And um, yeah, I remember that song. Think thinking. That's such a great attitude and sass. So I got
2: you got into that. So I know the stage in its fullest form was appealing to you because I think acting was where you first thought you might be heading before you found that you had a voice. Is that the case?
0: Yeah, I mean, I still love acting. I'm still, actually, I'm going to do a little part in my cousin's Midsummer Night's Dream um, in um, next month. I still love, and I do a little bit of voice work as and when it crops up. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think because I kind of got a, I guess it, I guess it's sort of a natural affinity with the blues, you know, and just while I was singing, singing the bluesy, bluesiness that, you know, belied my years when I was 14. And I think it kind of, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Music's kind of been a challenging journey performing, uh, as a singer, I find much harder than say a- acting a character.
2: Um, well, when I'm at a gig, I was looking at the singers. Well, that very start, that sentence kind of in- encompass it, that you are the focus we are yeah. generally sitting in the audience looking at the singer more than the band. Mm-hmm. And I guess you must feel that on stage You must feel the eyes to some degree.
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah. It's not, it's definitely uh, not that, that aspect of it. it hasn't been uh, the kind of most natural or easy for me. I've kind of got used to it. I've been doing it long enough now, but at, at the top, you know, I, my first performance, I was had my back completely to the audience. Then I'd sort of edge round and my eyes were shut. It's very, yeah, very kind of, Actually, bit, I heard something weird about on the on the uh, the adrenal system.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One hour on stage is apparently like eight hours of manual labour strain. That it really, is that much stress? Yeah,
2: yeah. Which and I, I
0: can kind of go. Actually, I believe <laughs> I
2: Oh, I, I, I can absolutely concur that. I would have thought performance anxiety, if, if it's sort of in your nature at all, would be immense. Particularly as a singer, but any of the guys on stage, if you've got any kind of chink in the armour that leads to any kind of anxiety. Performer must Mm. be a tough one. At least I sit in a room with nobody looking at me. It's an easy get out. That's the difference. Put me up and actually speak in front of people. I'd probably be nervous, oddly, but I can chat on the radio all day long. So I know exactly what you mean. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one.
2: And the kind of music that you said that was being played around the house clearly has uh, helped develop the voice you've got because you've got elements of all of the, the, the music of black culture too. I mean, you've not got jazz, R&B, soul, it's all in there and even elements of rock at some points. But I mean, certainly mm. the, the elements of soul and jazz come through loud and clear in your voice, which I assume was very much part of your upbringing.
0: Yeah. And I remember, yeah, so we touched upon the sort of blues and soul. Uh, but yeah, I remember when I first heard... Billy Holiday singing I'm a fool to want you my sister was playing it from her you know her last album Lady in Satin and I remember thinking oh what's this music you know and distinctly where I was in the house and um I think yeah definitely I think if you if you might have a you know propensity for for something or what what people might call a gift or something you suddenly become a bit aware of everything or if it's made aware to you you know, as it was to me. Oh, you can, you can sing. And I was like, okay. And then suddenly, I was alert to music in a new way. It became conscious, and I was sort of going, oh wow, what's that? Listening what's to
2: that? styles and delivery, and
0: yeah, and just hearing music and going, oh, I'm curious about all this variety there is. You know, it's like food, isn't it? It's like, wow, what is all this going on?
2: And so, having found that you have got a voice, and your parents being music lovers, were they quite encouraging of you? Did they try to develop your enthusiasm?
0: yeah always very lucky like that yeah mm. there was never you know they they've they've done that with all of us um unfortunately none of us are farmers now as a result <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we um yeah they always do you know what do you love it do you love it does it does it feed your soul do you love it yeah go for it and and they've always tried to facilitate um what we do
2: so how did your musical progression and education form then
0: um, it's always been very, um, well, like I said, I had kind of the obligatory piano, classical piano lessons with a lovely little old lady, that kind of thing down the road when I was a kid, but I, I never really got, I could never get, get reading music together. And, and so that kind of, unfortunately I did, and we I don't have the kind of teacher that kind of said, oh, I think you've got good ears and let's try and work something else. It was, um, so I, that kind of fell away quite quickly, but then I suppose more my main music education I think has come from from listening and then uh, just kind of doing it and growing. So I was quite young when I started gigging on some levels, but all through you know like I said with my dad's band, and then I went to a local jazz bass player and did did a workshop, and then I joined a band there, and um, it, I've kind of learned on the on the job on the job lot, yeah which yeah. has been. Which has been great, really. I mean, and it's kind of caused me to kind of go around the houses sometimes. And sometimes I think lose my, uh, lose my voice a little bit. You know, I was taking in so much
2: trying to think about what I
0: am and who I am, um, you know. But, uh, yeah, a great way to learn as well, you know,
2: practically. And then there was a, a very fortuitous uh, meeting with a certain Ian Shaw, which I believe was quite a pivotal moment of change for your mm-hmm. whole career in life, I guess, because that made the move yeah. to London. And apart yeah. from obviously, I guess Ian was able to open up certain doors to get gigs for you and things like that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And the one one major place is introducing me to the Six
2: Oh Six. So how did the meeting within? Hand. Yeah, well, I've seen uh, yeah amount of times in the good old days. So, you know, you're down there so regularly through the course of the year, weren't you? So how did the meeting yeah. with Ian come about then? From a, a girl in Suffolk. I mean, I, I think Ian is Ian from that part of the world. No, he, he he's had a from workshop Wales, actually. He had a workshop. He did have a workshop. That's right. That's yeah. right.
0: Yeah, so actually just yeah, the bass the bass player I mentioned, uh Jill Alexander, who's been amazing for jazz education in this area. Needless to say, there's not a lot, mm-hmm. and certainly not a lot of women. She's a f- yeah, female bass player. And um she had she used to put on these workshops. Uh she'd do a gig on the Friday night and then have the artists stay over and then do a workshop the next day. And Ian, uh first of all, Jackie Dankworth. Um, I did one with her and James Pearson and I met them when I was 15 Mm -hmm. and then Ian, I think came back the next year and I met Ian with James Pearson again. And, um, yeah, Ian was really positive, really encouraging about my singing. Um, and, um, yeah, kind of said, I'd like to produce a a CD, a demo for you, you know? Yeah. Mum and dad were kind of like, great. How do we make it work? Let's do it. And then I moved in with him. Yeah, no, so you been? spent
2: like a year living down in uh, some part of London. Was it East yeah, London you were in? Ele- or Elephant, Elephant and Castle, and Castle. So, yeah, so in yeah. the city virtually, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it was great. We, you know, and Yeah, he just kind of taught me, yeah, it was a baptism of fire. I bet it was. A bet it was. Yeah.
2: But boy, I mean, the character of the inn is, I can imagine being down there from Suffolk, suddenly in London with Ian Shaw and living with Ian Shaw. Yeah. It must have been quite a, yeah, mustn't it? And, uh, quite a change of lifestyle, I should have thought.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was, I was, and I was, yeah, I was kind of ready for it. I was up for it. I was kind of excited by music and why not? Let's just go
2: for it. You know? So was Ian behind the first album that was released in 2014 then? The, My Own Company? Mm,
0: no, that one didn't. Um, that's uh, James Pearson, actually. No, the album I did with Ian, I was only 18 at the time and it never really came out. It was more served as a kind of demo which was really useful for getting gigs and just kind of getting out and about there.
2: So once you got down to London, how did you find Mm -hmm. actually achieving gigs? Because then presumably you came down and said to your folks, right, I'm going to be a professional musician, but then you've got to actually go out and earn the money and find the gigs, right? So was it hard Hmm. getting your foot in the door? Because there's a lot of singers in London, isn't there?
0: Mm, There really are. I mean, um, yeah, obviously I think Ian's kind of endorsement of me was a real good one. And Steve, um, yeah, quickly kind of gave me a, a night with um actually do you remember simeon cosburn yes was yeah. a really nice singer and mm-hmm. he and i shared a shared a singer's night as two sort of young budding singers on the scene um and then uh yeah just slowly all kind of word of mouth really you know bars doing the time scene bars you know and um with different you know, duo gigs and things and yeah just kind of taking little opportunities started to do a few functions delivered some sandwiches as well during that time oh (laughs) the good the good
2: the good old function work glad to hear that's getting props (laughs) (laughs) a musician that hasn't done function work and sung at weddings in court so
0: i know well yeah you cut your teeth you get to learn a lot
2: during those gigs that's for sure i bet you do
3: Let a
1: song go out of my heart It was the sweetest melody I know I lost heaven Cause you were the song Since you and I have drifted apart Life doesn't mean a thing to me Please come back sweet music I know I was wrong Am I too late to make amends? You know that we were meant to be more than just friends Just friends I let a song go out of my heart Believe me, darling, when I say I want no sweet music until you return I want no sweet music Until you return someday Let a song
2: At the end of the first part of that interview with Polly was Let a Song Go Out of My Heart. Back in March, we started playing tracks from the album Duality from Tony Remen and Jim Mullen. There's a lot of originals on the album. We're going to listen to a Remen original now. And it was written very much with Jim in mind. This is GPJ. (laughs) come on the show this week we have music from leanne Carroll and mornington lockett both of whom are with us this coming weekend our reopening weekend at the club we have music from lara Eady and also from the abby finn trio but we're going to go back to our interview with guest polly gibbons and start off the second part of the interview with another one of her songs you can't just you're listening to me david lewis and this is straight ahead
0: listen online on dab and on smart speakers straight ahead with london's leading music venue The 606 Club.
1: You say what you want to say. I stand confused when
2: And then, of course, we've talked about the fact that you started uh, releasing albums. Then you were lucky, and I think the second album was on the Resonance Records, wasn't it? There was an introduction that was made there.
0: So I'm just trying to think what happened. My first, so actually, weirdly enough, after I made my kind of demo with Ian, I, I then did two albums for Japan and South Korea, which mm-hmm. is weird. They never came out here, but they came out in that region. Uh, and then I did an album, a more of a solely album, with All Out on Abulé. Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We co- yeah, we co-wrote an album together, and um, it's my album. It's called "What's the Real Reason." I think that was the next one. It's more. He's of a, got such a l-
2: lovely voice, so rich and soulful, isn't it? Beautiful voice. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, mm. really beautiful. And he produced yeah, it. as a kind of more more R and B sort of
2: album. That one.
0: And then, um, I think my 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 first release in this country actually um, was. Um, A jazzy, jazzy one was my own company, which James Pearson produced and initiated and played on and arranged and everything. So that was great. Um, And then after that came Resonance.
2: Yeah. You had a couple of albums of Resonance, didn't you? Three. Three albums. Some of them were called over in the States. Is that right?
0: Yeah, they were all over in the States. They're, They're an independent label based in Los Angeles. And I did two in LA and one in New York.
2: So, did you gig when you gig around while you were over in the states as well?
0: Yeah, I spent about five years um, out there touring on and off in different sort of chunks. I didn't live live out there full time. I spent three months there; that was the longest time in New York, um, and was sort of yeah, a lot of kind of you know East and West Coast, but then weaving through the middle too, which was an amazing experience, unusual. And
2: yeah. you enjoy the whole studio vibe, the recording session? Because, you know, some musicians have said to me, mm, it's all about the live work. It's kind of, albums are important for a reason, but for me, it's all about being live. Where where do you fall?
0: Um, I, I, I have a feeling jazz is better received uh, live. Um, it, it kind of, it's quite a spiritual music and it's a sort of feeling music. And I think, it, I think it's hard to record it. I think it's hard to capture, you know, what's going on because the, the very nature of it is meant to be in the moment. So almost recording, once you've recorded it, it ceases to be a, um, an improvisation. It's now a composition. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's been mm-hmm. documented. It's been locked in as something. You know, whereas when you're live, it's you're really trying to just be sort of present and play, you know. So, I mean, I I, I kind of like both of them. They're very different. They're very very different strains of the same sort of idea. You know, they're, mm. they're not, you know, they're, they're different experiences at, uh, for the artist, I think, and for the listener. Mm.
2: And of course, you've performed at a number of different size venues. You know, you've, you mentioned that you've cut, kind of cut your teeth at clubs like The Six, but then you've also opened for the likes of Gladys Knight and George Benson, Bosgag. So you've always performed at the big, theatres and arenas too that must be a very different experience singing you know Royal Albert Hall or the Palladium or something must be a very very different vocally do you have to project yourself differently I know you've got mics clearly but is there a different technique
0: um no I try and keep my my singing pretty much as as is and we were really lucky actually when we did the two supports for uh George Benson and Gladys Knight we had the sound technicians you know did our sound we had our own set up for that and they they made sure so they were really accommodating um for who we they were just a great team and um but i think i think more um body language needs to change slightly you know whereas you can get away with just facial tiny nuance in a s- intimate one on you know uh club setting but you know suddenly in a, a big space i had a funny one because it was quite frantic and fraught i was organizing some of the um some of the accommodation and bands for the you know, tour, and it's quite a, a, you know, kind of big deal on some levels as far as just cha- being a bit chaotic. And I remember I had my hair and makeup done for the Royal Albert Hall, and then I just got announced, and I just sort of walked on stage. And just and then it was about half an hour through it, and I just thought, just oh, take a second here. <laughs> Look I'm where you in are. Royal Hall. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really funny. It was kind of I was just getting on with it, and then I was like, come on, Polly. You know, you just it's sort of funny, you know. You, Yes. Pinch yourself,
2: mm. yeah. The girls made it. I'm on the stage at the Royal Albert Hall. It's a big moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, lovely. And just to just to be aware of it, and just to kind of clock what you're, you, yeah, know, this legendary space. You
2: know, you know. And of course, there has been awards that have come your way as well, haven't there? From Jazz FM and BBC, best jazz vocalist. Yeah, You've had awards think, as well. Yeah.
0: Nominations. Alas, Dave, yet to yet to receive one. But the, yeah, it's good to be nominated.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's great to see how vibrant the, the jazz scene is again. That so many you know outlets now for. You to be able to perform and be heard regularly. It makes a big, big difference. You know, the days where jazz singers were succumbed purely to clubs and backwaters have gladly now passed. And it's not the the dirty, unheard scene anymore. Your music can be seen and heard everywhere. And so we've talked about performing small venues, big venues and on to outdoors. Because I mentioned at the beginning that uh, you're going to be performing with us down at Jazz on the Lawn in august yeah, friday right. the 13th of august actually and yeah. um i think wayne hernandez is on the saturday but uh, you're with us on the friday so what's performing mm-hmm. outdoors like does that again bring a different kind of feel and vibe to it is it a mishmash of the two
0: yeah yeah it's interesting well people are, i mean the bigger venues is always insane with outdoors outdoors people are a little bit further away so you try and keep things a bit more open and out there but yeah i guess it's just trying to Always trying to create the best vibe on, you know, with the musicians and you know me singing as best I can and, and sharing what we're doing and keeping it as open as possible. So yeah, I love I love playing outside. Though it's
2: beautiful. How have you? I mean, how far in advance do you start thinking about the set? For that? I mean, that's a good few months away yet. But have you already at mm. the back of your mind in the deeper recesses begun sort of putting together a set that you think, well, that might work? And
0: well, I think you do, yeah you bear in mind um, yeah you do some. Yeah. Like I said, some of the subtler nuances get lost. So you kind of end up doing, I think things that are a little, you know, like too many ballads, you know, people are spaced out. Almost,
2: Almost too delicate. You
0: wanna, yeah. yeah. You keep their attention a bit more, um, uh, drawn in, you know, and if it's too much sort of space, some people can, you know, drift off. So you have to keep people. So that kind of principle, but, um, yeah. I'll be uh, I'll be thinking about that soon. Well, the, the good thing is there's plenty of time, but then that's hard because it's you find there's you think there's lots of time, but then it's harder to get things together. Now I find
2: it's well, just, yeah. The thing is, I think we're all guilty that when you've got time, you're not as productive. When you've got that pressure yeah. on you, you turn it out, don't you? And when you think, oh, yeah, I've got exactly. time; it, it'll happen. Some that's a bad place to be.
0: Yeah, and you're suddenly you're going, ah, oh, no, actually, you know, it's, it's harder. I tried to catch a train the other day. I did, but it was really, really. Stressful, just like you know, just trying to be on time for something.
2: Yeah, and of course, not only the jazz and lawn, but you're going to be with us at the end of this month as well in May, 30th of May, Sunday night. You're coming yeah, down at the club hooray. with an audience. It's no more just live streaming; it's with an actual physical audience in front of you. You'll be able to sing a proper gig,
0: real humans. That'll be a treat.
2: Yeah, because we we talked quite a lot on the show about the live streaming and as. Uh, it's, it's served its purpose, it's kept music live, it's done its mm-hmm. thing. But of course, having that lack of feedback, particularly with jazz, which feeds off of an audience and a gig
3: mm.
2: makes or breaks really on how good that audience is to some degree. I mean, obviously, <laughs> we hope musicians are good. But, you know, if you've got the right vibe yeah. for the audience feeding back, it makes a massive difference. I'd imagine they're going to be yeah. like Caged Animals, so happy to be back watching live music, I would have thought.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I I mean, I get the sense that if this has, you know, done anything, it's it's made us all aware of how important... Um, you know, getting together with other people is. <laughs> and yeah, things like live music, art, theatre, you know, dance, whatever medium you love, you know, but experiencing some nourishment
2: there, you know. And hopefully we can all learn not to take it for granted. You know, it was so quickly taken mm. away from us. So I think we should all just pinch on it. And when we're acting, just think, you know what, we're actually lucky to be yeah. here. Because it's just amazing how, 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 how quickly we got used to them not being there so you know we just got to remind ourselves that it's all fragile what we took as rock solid yeah. really isn't so no, really and do you have a go-to band Do you have a, an a-list band that you try to put together for when you say down at the six
0: um yeah i mean i usually uh james pearson's my you know kind of musical director really and he takes yeah he's just great accompanist and musician and very broad in how he plays and so uh james is in tow and i've got salim Rahman on drums who again is a really i think because m- my sets are quite diverse you, you know there's quite a lot of different um yeah vibes to to what i do you know some jazzy more solely bluesy stuff so it kind of needs a musician that can kind of go on that journey it's definitely not straight sort of straight ahead um or straight ahead jazz that's your
3: <laughs> it's, <okay. laughs>
0: it so, <is. laughs> it's definitely not just that but you know um and then neville malcolm on bass um again who's super groovy but also swings
2: as well so that's great so that's the and, and they'll be with you at the lawn as well were they
0: um i can't remember actually but yes i think james is definitely and
2: yeah i've yet to sort
0: but possibly yes
2: possibly and apart from the gigs we've just mentioned there uh, now that you know we do seem to be seeing an eternal light coming our way uh, have you seen many other gigs become beginning to come your way again
0: yeah a few little things trickling in um which is great i'm doing a, a concert with a chamber orchestra down in kent actually oh lovely um which i'm really looking forward to it's mozart to motown it's called <laughs> so it's kind of got some classical and then moving through and all with it which is a real treat you know obviously you don't get to sing with a lovely ritual of string sounds behind Mm. you so I'm looking forward to that and then I've got a wedding and I've got um of course because
2: all those will have stopped won't they yeah obviously Mm.
0: yeah um and then Ronnie Scott's in Soho in August as well so yeah
2: yeah it's good I I think it seems to be the way that people aren't throwing gigs in they're just doing bit by bit but at least this time hopefully they're not going to be cancelled and you know it's just, just a reintroduction and you're going to get used yeah. to being busy and late night. Are you one of these musicians that hasn't had a late night in forever?
0: <laughs> no, I'm still, I'm terrible. I've been upside down for a lot of years now. And I, I've, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still
2: a bit of an owl,
0: really. I was, I I was chatting
2: with Nigel Price the other night and he said, I can't remember the last time I went to bed after midnight. <laughs> and that's, and that's <laughs> yeah. about like the, the late sets, you know, so often. <laughs> he's now, how yeah, am I so going to stay? to
0: retrain himself. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. I know. I wonder there's going to be an element of that. But you say your sleep patterns are still being kind of the night hours. Yeah.
0: Yeah, pretty nighty. Yeah, it's hard. i mean, It's funny being on a farm and being an owl, but I most definitely am. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so you mentioned you're back on the folks' farm at the moment, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Have you missed yeah, putting you in town at all? Or
0: well, I do. Um, I have been bobbing in and out actually, um, and um, staying with just uh, yeah. We've been allowed these little bubbles, and I've got a friend, a couple of friends who have been flying solo,
2: so I've been visiting
0: them. And yeah, it's um, yeah. I actually I, so I was in a couple of weeks ago. Um, it seems things are picking up a little bit,
2: yeah. which is what we like. Yeah, finally we can all be positive and look forward. And the, you know, the six is open on the twentieth, and then you're mm. within the first couple of weeks. You're down there with us live, and I'm sure you'll be a regular, regular fixture once again. Because yeah. say you're always there, weren't you? And you said you kind of grew up and cut your teeth there when you first came to London.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and I used to. Well, it was always the kind of go to hang spot, really. Mm. You know, mm. just to, you know, if it's. I don't know whatever we'd been doing if we'd done something earlier. It's actually around the six. Yeah. We'd have a late night and, and um, yeah, James, uh, uh, James around the six, you know, we'd have lock-ins and sing-alongs and <laughs> all sorts. It's great.
2: And I always like to let people know where they can find you. You're super easy to find. You've, you've actually got the same kind of address throughout. Polly G Music on Instagram, Polly G Music on Twitter. Then you're Polly Gibbons simply on Facebook. You've got a musician's page there. You're on Bandcamp as well. So you can be found everywhere. How do you find the social media? How do you find the social media side of it? Do you like it, enjoy it, or it's just one of those onerous things you feel you have to tick the box?
0: Yeah, I'm afraid I'm, I'm the latter. I'm I'm am I'm actually appalling at it, and I I need to I need to sort of somehow work out a way of finding my online voice. But it's uh it's yeah I find it it's a real challenge for me, and I'm very um, half hazard with you know quite random you know stuff. Do a little
2: bit here, and then I'll get to, you
0: know. Oh, I be, sort of can't use half of
2: it. You're, you're going to be fed up with me because when this sh- interview goes out, you're going to be tagged left, right, and centre. You're going to be getting pings everywhere.
0: Well, I should try and I should try and crop those. <laughs> Ignore and me. Share them like, when I like can. all what essential <laughs>
2: people do. <too. laughs> Walk away at speed. I'm
0: I'm glad that there are people that are good at it like you, that's
2: good. (laughs) Well, yeah, again, I want to sort of draw attention to the fact that, you know, you're coming to the club and what you can do, it's just lovely to give you that that vehicle and, you know, for people to hear and see what you're up to. So, you know, uh, oh, and also you've got your own website as well, which is polygibbons.com, so people can buy music there and listen to you there, read about you there. And as I mentioned, you're down with us, first of all? on Sunday the 30th of May, live in front of an audience. I think it'll be streamed as well. And then Jazz on the Lawn and let's just pray for a sunny Friday evening, shall we? Yes, A sunny August is what we're due and you can see Polly there as well. So Polly, thank you so much for your time. It's been great getting to chat with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. I'm glad we finally got to have a chat. We did,
2: we did. And we're playing plenty of music through the course of the show and I know you're going to drop me your other most recent album and we'll play that as well as you come up to the gigs at the club.
0: Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
2: It's been lovely. Thank you so much indeed for your time.
0: Cheers, Dave.
2: Thank you. Thanks.
1: (laughs) Promise to hear my midnight breath Grievance is great and small Promise to hear my midnight prayer. So I lay in my bed with my mind so cluttered.
2: on Interview about the varied kind of approaches that uh, Polly takes to singing and the different influences that have brought her to this point of her career. And I think that was shown in that last track, Midnight Prayer. Don't forget, Polly is with us on the 30th of May at the club and in Jazz on the Lawn in August. And all of the details are over on the website 606club.co.uk. This coming Saturday at the club, we have got saxophonist Mornington Lockett and he's going to be on stage along with renowned trumpeter Henry Lowther. And here is Mornington with his version of a Tubby Hayes original Pint of Bitter. for Mornington Lockett and uh, reminds me I must dig out the original from Tubby Hayes actually and play it for you sometime on the show I've still got music to come from Leanne Cowell who also is with us at the club this coming weekend last week we gave the first play to the new single from Lara Edy, Look to the Horizon well it got such a good response last week I thought I'd play it again for you this week straight ahead
0: with David Lewis
2: Edie and Look to the Horizon, a track that she collaborated with Dave Mannington in the production of. I mentioned that we've got a track coming from Leanne Carroll, a Parliamentary Award winner, and here it is. This is Words I Have Never Spoken. Leanne is with us at the club this coming Sunday. All of the gigs get going from eight o'clock and of course the details are over on the website.
4: Did I ever tell you You're the one who makes the sun rise You're the one who makes the birds fly Did I ever tell you How you brought up all my tears How you kissed away my fears But I know somehow It's too late now These are the words I never spoke Mm -hmm. You understand me And all the colors of my pain And how to bring love home again Understand me and what it takes to heal the scars on a journey to the stars. But I know somehow it's too late now, these are the lines I never wrote. something to make sense and now I find I'm talking in the past tense Would you believe I said some things I never meant such a silly argument Would you believe is the greatest thing And love can conquer everything Now all I can give you Now all I have left Is all the hopes I dare to hope, And all the lines I never wrote And all the words I never spoke The hopes I dared to hope, all the lines I never wrote, and all the words I never spoke.
2: Next on the show this week, we have a track from a North East based jazz ensemble led by energetic young drummer Abby Finn. In the trio, she plays alongside fellow Leeds College of Music alumnus. On sax, you've got Harry Keeble and on bass, Paul Granger. And here they are with Night and Day. The Abbey Finn Trio. They're playing night and day and you'll find the track on their album, Northern Perspective. Lucian Johnson was born in Wellington in New Zealand. A saxophonist who spent his 20s living in Paris eventually ended up going back to New Zealand in 2009 and just a couple of years ago released an album called Wax Wayne and from that we're going to listen to Magnificent Moon. thanks indeed for your company over the last couple of hours. I hope you enjoyed the music and of course our guest Polly Gibbons and don't forget you can check her out on all of her social media platforms and on her website as well and we'll be back for more jazz and conversation at the same time next week. But to play out this week we are going to go to the album Vesuvania from Bruno Danbra a pianist uh, featured on the track alongside Bruno, uh, Emiliano Caroselli on the drums and Jason Raises on the bass and we play out this week on Straight Ahead with Three for Train. Enjoy the live music at the club. Thank you